We're so glad you joined us. Right now, it's Barry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. Okay, the show really starts now. <laughs> right now? <laughs> yep, right now. Right now. It yeah. gets real right now because we have Becky Nordquist in studio with us. Just a minute ago, we were joking around about Toby Mac dropping by. And, you know, like that actually happens. Like people who are really amazing and gifted and talented musical artists stop by. And here you are, <laughs> Becky Nordquist in the flesh. Yeah. Yay, Michigan. It's good to be home. Oh, it's so good, good to see. have you here. And we're just excited to hear your stories this morning. Just if you've not met Becky before, uh, she's not a stranger to trauma, grief and loss. And her writing and speaking just breathe with a transparency of someone who has traveled the roads of suffering and found redemption. You have such a beautiful heart. And I'm just so excited that you're here this morning. Thank you for being with us. And thank you for being willing to open up your life and your stories to us today. Oh my goodness, I am so blessed to be with you guys. It's nice to see you in the real and not just, yeah. you know, online or things like sure. that. So it's sure. always good to see your faces. And I just love you guys because you're from my hometown. So <laughs> here we are. Local Michiganders we are. Mm -hmm. So where were you born and raised? Here in West Michigan, but what town? Actually, I was born on the other side of the state. Oh, okay. So, but my entire adult life has been in... Grand Rapids, West Michigan area. So call this home. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us about how your journey began with Jesus. I knew, I know it started really early. It did. You know, I was very young, grew up in a pastor's family. Um, so you get exposed to who Jesus is very young. And mm -hmm. being in a pastor's family, you learn about the church and stuff very young. But I really had this deep desire. I remember so clearly, it was probably about three and a half, just wanting to be with Jesus for my whole life. Mm -hmm. And I knew that meant heaven in my little mind. And I just wanted that more than anything. So I remember asking my mom, I tugged on her slacks. She was slacks because that just totally dated me. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember tugging on the, the edge of her slacks and she was vacuuming the kitchen. And I said, I want to ask Jesus in my heart. She mm -hmm. shut the vacuum off and we knelt there in the kitchen and she said, well, just repeat after me. And she started to pray. And I'm like, wait, wait, uh, is this going to hurt? Because I was thinking he would actually right. enter oh, my yeah. heart physically. Yeah. Literal. You know, and the funny thing that I found about that is that there is an amount of pain that comes mm. when yeah. we ask Christ in. Because it yeah. doesn't take away what happens to us in life. But the transformation that occurs when we get the indwelling of the Holy Spirit can actually be painful as we die to our flesh. Yeah. Right? Oh my goodness. Every day. Yeah. Right? Again and again and again. Yes. But to be sealed at such a young age, I know yeah. that was God's plan mm -hmm. that I would need his covering, that I would need him in my soul in order to endure what was to come. You said there were two two things that happened on that day. Can you share with us what those two things were? You had mentioned a um, a birthmark, the seal, mm. and a birthmark. Yes, um, you know the birthmark. I've heard it said that the birthmark of the believer mm -hmm. is a bullseye for the enemy, mm. and uh, you know he sees the threat that we are when we live in who Christ is and what He's done and what He's given us. And so we become a threat to him and his plan to take as many away from Christ as he can. Yeah. Yeah. The enemy wants to cripple us and make us non-effective for the kingdom. Right. He can't take away our salvation, but he can cripple us so that we aren't 
useful for God. Yes. And that, and that's that sealing, you know, once we're sealed by Christ and the Holy spirit of God, knowing no one, nothing, no circumstance, nothing can take his love from us. It's a done deal. So it doesn't matter what comes our way. It's completed. No matter how we feel, the love of God doesn't leave us and the spirit of God is within us. Mm -hmm. So, and that is a threat to the enemy. When we start living in that power Mm -hmm. and we start walking that out, oh my goodness, because there's power involved. We can rise above the dust of earth, right? And then we hold something that the world does not have. And that scares him because he wants the church to look like we're powerless, like we're no better than what's out there. So why would I, why would I get involved with Jesus? Why would I get into church? Because they're all depressed and anxious too. But what happens with God, I mean, this is the power in us, right? When the Holy Spirit comes in is that God takes all that stuff that the enemy Mm. uses to try to mess us up and derail us. And God says, oh, I'm going to use that. Like Mm. there is going to be redemption in your story. Mm -hmm. There is going to be, you know, other people are going to come to know who I am because you walked through it with me Mm. and because of, you know, because I was there and because of what what I did. So we're excited to hear your story unfold this Becky this morning, Becky. And so you've come through, we're going to talk about a lot of losses and hardships and sufferings and injustices that have happened in your life. And you've come through those things for such a time as this. Why do you feel like God brought you to this moment in time? Hmm. That's a good question. (laughs) I really, every day is so much of laying down what I want for life Mm. and just pressing in and clinging to him with all that I have for everything, for my identity, for who I am, my worth and not clinging to people or circumstances and just rising up out of it. And I, I don't know. I, I just know that every day he uses everything good, bad or indifferent. Mm -hmm for my good and to conform me into his likeness. And so that's all of us, right? Yeah. So realizing how much, how needy we are, Mm. we're here today because we're so needy and we need him to fill us so that he can flow through us. Absolutely. So Becky, um, you know, you received Jesus when you were really young and grew up in a Christian family and yet, you know, stuff happens in life in Christian families, it, the best of families. Your dad was a pastor and, and you went through the, you know, just the state it for what it is, the horrificness of sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. So just, just share your heart with us. Yeah, this is, you know, it's always a hard topic to talk about. Sure. Um, because it's when you're really young, those traumatic memories bring up so many feelings and the enemy can use those moments to really speak over you. And if you accept the lies about it, it can really do a lot of damage. But I was probably, I had chronic abuse from, we think the earliest memory I have was about four years old Okay, and it was years. Um, The trespassers were part of a prominent family in our church and the church where your dad was. The yes. Pastor. Where he was the pastor and the most difficult part of it, ironically, you would think it was not the fact that I was abused, but the fact was, is that one of my parents walked in on a situation 
So they knew it had happened, but they didn't do anything about it. Mm. They wanted to hide it. Mm. They were concerned that the church was going to split. They didn't want people to know. And so it was a secrecy for years. And I actually ended up blocking a lot of it out because it was chronic. I was repeatedly left with these people over and over. After after a parent was made aware of it, it yeah. continued to happen? Yes, for years. Oh, my yeah. gosh. So, um, you know, I felt I had that moment of falling in love with Jesus as this tiny little tot, you yeah. know. And you know what you know as a kid. Things get normalized in your mind. Like, you know, because perpetrators are professionals at manipulation and explaining things away and deceiving and all that stuff and leading little children. You know, it, it was a situation where I just, in my little mind, it didn't make any sense, but my parents didn't do anything. So it must've been okay. Mm -hmm. You know? Sure. So, um, but it got quite severe. I ended up blocking a lot out until I hit my preteens and I started to have flashbacks and I was like, wait a minute is that a dream? What is that real? You know? And, um, you know, one thing I really believe is that the Lord reveals what we need to see when we need to see it, or if we need to see it, um, again, to do what he needs to do in us ultimately, you know, to draw us closer to him. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a long road and it definitely shook what I believed about God. It shook what I thought about God. And obviously, you know, my dad was like the first kind of picture, you know, you kind of often put, um, your father's attributes onto God, which is sure. totally wrong, but we do it. Right. Yep. And so I, I began to see God as someone that wouldn't protect me mm-hmm. that didn't love me enough to step in that I wasn't worth protecting, that I wasn't worthy of being loved along with all the natural things that, um, survivors go through, which is it's my fault. I'm guilty. I'm dirty. I'm not worth anything. I definitely felt that as I started to have more and more recollection, I felt like who would want me now? Mm. Who would ever want to marry me? Who would ever want to see me as something that's whole and beautiful and worthwhile and worthy of being loved and accepted and all of those things, those core needs that we have. Um, you know, I just, it broke me in so many ways at the time. You've got this song, Innocent Child, that we want to play. Talk about this song. Mm. It's very, very special for a lot of reasons. Uh, I was not allowed to see any counselors growing up. My parents were against counseling. But God bless my mom. She snuck me away to one, and there was one thing she told me to do. She said, Becky, because I had so much guilt, she said, I want you, if you do nothing else, if we don't get to see each other again, because my dad was adamantly opposed against any type of counseling. She said, I want you to go to your kindergarten room and I want you to go sit in one of the little chairs and I want you to look at those chairs and you want you to look at the little toys and tell me if you could ever look at someone that small and say it was their fault. Mm. What happened to you? How old were you? At that time I was 16. I just had gotten my driver's license. So I actually sat in my actual kindergarten chair or in my actual kindergarten room where during that time of my life, I was being abused. So they let me into the actual room where I would go to school. And in that moment, as I sat in the room, I looked at the little chair and I promised myself that one day I would get the healing that I was longing for. Mm -hmm. And I realized in that moment that I might actually not be at fault for what happened to me. 
So, Becky, thank you so much for already just opening up about the sexual abuse, the chronic sexual abuse that you went through as a child. And we just appreciate your your authenticity. And I know God is working through this brokenness to bring his healing to people this morning. But man, this was really hard. We don't want to pass this up. You know, because of the abuse, you were diagnosed with severe clinical depression. You were thinking about suicide, possible psychosis. And this was something that the docs told you that you would deal with for the rest of your life. So talk about, you know, First of all, pick it up there, going through the depression, the thoughts of suicide, just how dark that was. Oh, wow. You know, I clearly remember going to sleep at night or getting ready to go to sleep and just begging God, please don't let me wake up tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I literally thought through every possibility to end my life that there probably is. Mm-hmm. And... um you know, those are things that we don't like to admit out loud. I was also at the same time on a stage leading worship Mm. because I'd learned to mask so well. And I really, I had times when I thought if I start crying, I won't stop. If I let a plate drop from spinning, Mm. it's all going to crash. And how am I going to survive that? How old were you at this time? In my early 20s. Okay. Um, I found myself with four kids, like back to back, and a pretty absent spouse, uh, gone a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I was carrying that, but I was also continually having more flashbacks of abuse. And I had finally come to a very safe church. It actually was Magnified Church that I was at. Nice. So that's why this is a really exciting week for us looking at next Friday because I get to go home, so to speak, and um, really thank the people who loved me through the darkest places of my life because I was looking at God and going, you know, Lord, I don't know if you're real even, honestly. And I, I certainly don't think you care about me because you didn't keep me from all these painful things. Yeah. And if you're real, I need to know. I need you to show me right now. And I did that thing. And this is, I was sitting in Pine Rest here in West Michigan. Because they had basically given me a lifelong sentence of severe chronic clinical depression. I was never going to get better. I was always going to have to be on medications. Thank you very much. (sighs) Right. Right. It's like no hope. Right. No No hope. hope. (laughs) There's no hope for you. You're going to be stuck with this. And I remember sitting in the corner on the in the, of the room on the floor and looking up and seeing my Bible on the desk. And I did something I never do, which is let my Bible fall open. Mm. Cause I don't know about you, but I'm the kind of person that if I let my Bible fall open, it's going to open to like Leviticus or something, <laughs> you know, it'll be right. some walking yeah. place. Yeah. But instead the Lord was good to me that day because he knew I needed to see the revelation of who he is. And it fell open to Psalm 88, which at the oh time I did not know. Sure. Wow. But it's called the Black Psalm. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I still, sitting here, I get chills up and down my body because it's like I knew in that wow. moment as I read those words, he was there present with me. Did you feel like God was just saying, girl, you can go there? Yeah. You have yes. permission to go there. Just let mm-hmm. it out. I'm big enough to take your hardest questions, sweetie. Yeah. It's okay. Daddy's here. Yeah. Daddy's here. You go ahead and throw it all at me. You can be angry and tell me how upset you are with me. I can take it. I took the cross. Mm-hmm. That that psalm ends with darkness. 
literally ends with darkness. But mm-hmm. here's a godly man who wrote that psalm, mm-hmm. and we wanted to resolve, right? Oh yeah, we wanted right? to resolve. Yeah, you've got this song more than a survivor. Mm. Talk about this. Oh, this is a song that's really intended for like sexual abuse survivors. But I really believe if you're living in the broken and fallen world, (laughs) you are a survivor, right? I mean, in Christ, but it's not just getting through with the power of the Holy Spirit of God living within us and living from that power. Come on. We get to do more than survive. (laughs) Yeah. We get to thrive. We get to get beyond of history. Okay. So history can't be changed, right? Mm -hmm. What's happened to us can't be changed. That's just a fact. It's just something that happened, but we don't have to live in the mud and the muck of it. Mm -hmm. We don't have to keep rehearsing it. We need to grieve the loss. I had to go through grieving the loss of a childhood and of innocence and of, you know, coming to know things in a way that God intended. I mean, I had to grieve all those things. But once we get through the grieving and realize that God has something beyond grief for us, we get to live from a place of wholeness, a place of joy, a place of hope, a place where we can actually thrive and rise up out of the circumstances and brokenness of the earth. And we can walk forward in confidence and in the hope of Christ. You're lit. It's Jesus, man. (laughs) Who can't get excited about living in the power of Christ, right? I mean, man, it's something. When when you see it, you can't unsee it. (laughs) There was some time in Pine Rest as well or some some healing that took place there. Can you take us to that place and time? Because I know God did just a miraculous, a miraculous healing in you. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, being a worship leader, you're pretty visible. And there were just a few people that picked up then that something was wrong with Becky. Something wasn't quite right. And these dear women began to pray. Oh my goodness. It just occurred to me that they might be listening this morning. Um, So they began to pray and these dear friends invited me to start praying with them once I got out of the hospital which they didn't know that I was in the hospital that came later, but um, very quickly, which this is not typical, I think for most people that struggle with depression, but I was blessed with the fact that they prayed over me and I went in, I remember one night I went into their home and it was like having 10 television sets in my head with all the different voices, which I had grown accustomed to because that was something I had since I was a small child, often in trauma. That's not, you know, it's not a, it's not uncommon sure. is what I want to say. And, um, certainly there's the whole topic of demonic oppression in this mm-hmm. too, which would take us all morning, yeah. <laughs> but, um, they laid hands on me and I did not believe in that. I didn't grow up in that. That was something that we didn't do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They anointed me with oil. That was also something I was like, well, I guess if you want to do it, I mean, you can sure. go ahead. I'm not sure what kind of good it's going to do. And that was really, but I knew deep in my spirit, I wanted to be healed. Mm. And I let them pray over me and they prayed. Can I just ask really quick, what, like, what exactly did you want to be healed of? What was your, like, this was a moment where you were reaching out to Jesus as he was going through the crowd and you thought, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, mm-hmm. like what did you want him to do for you? I wanted to be set free. I wanted silence. Mm-hmm. I wanted out of the chaos 
I wanted to be set free from the past and all the chains that went with it. I really wanted a new life. Mm-hmm. And um, it was an amazing moment because there were so many voices going on that God freed me as they prayed over me. And I walked in hearing all those voices and I walked out in complete silence. And I wouldn't believe that if it didn't happen to me. Sure. You know, it's like one of those things. Hey, I experienced that. I, I, if you told me, I'd be like, mm-hmm, sure. It was probably the medication that helped you. But it happened to me. And I can't deny what God did for me in that moment and opened the doorway for him to continue that healing and continue that growth in me that he was doing. It silenced everything else. Mm. So the only voice I heard was his. Mm. Yeah. And prior to that, you talked about the medication. You were on how many different medications prior? Five. Five different medications. Yeah. And then what about after the this time of, of healing? It was about two weeks later. And I remember I was such a different person. I walked into my counselor's office and he was writing notes. I'll never forget it. God bless you, Peter. <laughs> He's writing notes. And um, I was sitting there and he turned around in his chair and he looked at me. He goes, what has happened to you? Wow. And I smiled. Mm-hmm. I said, I was hoping you'd ask. He said, you don't even look like the same person. You look like a completely different person. Mm-hmm. And it was just the spirit of God. I, you can't explain it. I, I don't have words for what actually occurred. I just know what I experienced and experiencing God in that moment. Mm. And it was that day he took me into the psychiatrist cause I started having all these weird physical side effects and like, Oh, well we need to take you off of this. So we need to get you off of this. And it was, you know, going from having kind of a life sentence right. to, uh, we can't, you know, Free. and he even said, he goes, you know, I've heard of this happening, but I've never actually seen it in my practice. And like, here it is right in front of me. Yeah. It was just, a, it was a beautiful moment that we both, both just acknowledge the power of God. But the point was too, is that, you know, in any healing, there's responsibility and it doesn't stop right at that moment. Mm-hmm. God continues to work and to heal and to change. And it's such a gift. Such what a can gift. you say to the person who's right now in the dark place. Mm. They want to be free. And gosh, a miracle would be great, but they're not getting that miracle. Mm. What can you say to them? Mm. Hold on. Mm. Hold on to the vine. Mm. You know, we can believe a lot of different things in life. We can hold on to lies. We can hold on to our history. And we can say that's who we are, but it's not. That's a lie. Mm -hmm. It's a lie. You're not what happened to you. You're not your grief. Um, does it change us? Sure. But if we're clinging to the vine with all that we have, it can change us in ways that are whole and holy and healthy and helpful. So keep holding on. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking too, you know what? Um, yeah, keep holding on, but Jesus is holding on to you. He's not going to let you go. Mm -hmm. You got blindsided, Becky, when you were, I don't know, 30-ish around there. And a husband that just left you and your your four little kids. And, you know, somebody's listening right now and they've just zoned right in because that's them. And so talk about, you know, just the, the abandonment, the betrayal, mm. but the deep hurt of that. Never in a million would I have thought that I would be in the ranks of people who were divorced. Um, That was never something that I dreamed would be part of my story or wanted. 
Um, I was vehemently opposed to it. Uh, didn't plan on it. I remember being one of those people at church hearing about a divorce and going, mm, must not have tried hard enough. <laughs> must not wow. have trusted Jesus yeah. hard enough. Oh, you sound like the church lady. <laughs> Could it be? Oh, no. <laughs> Do you know the church lady from Saturday Night Live? I don't want to date myself, man. <laughs> yeah, right. No, <laughs> right? We all know the church lady. Oh, I know. So classic. But, you know, I, yeah. I really, because I just... I didn't understand, you know, there's something when you go through something that you're like, you go, oh, I'm so sorry about that. But then when you go through it, you go, oh, I am so sorry. And so I never planned on that. And I just found myself um, thrust into facing the fact that I didn't know who I was married to. Mm -hmm. It was a double life. And um, it was heartbreaking because we had small group. I mean, from the outside appearances, you would have, have ever thought we would divorce either. Which is a great point because, you know, we're sitting next to people in church and everything mm-hmm. looks okay with them, mm-hmm. but don't assume that, mm-hmm. you know, be a, mm-hmm. be so, somebody who's a, a safe person mm-hmm. so they can open up or even, you know, try to, try to knock on that door a little bit. But anyway, yeah, you guys are small group leaders. Looked like you had it all together. It was like a bomb went off in our house. Mm-hmm. And we were pretty tight knit too. I mean, we went on camping trips and all that. So it was a really traumatic time for my children. And, and I just, I knew the day he left, I was like, Lord, if I've ever needed you, I need you right now. Cause I have no idea what I'm going to do because within a week, I mean, I had appliances break. I found out that the house was in foreclosure. They were repossessing our family vehicle. And this I, was in January. It was in the middle of a Michigan January with oh, three wow. foot of snow and, and four kids. How old were your kids? Four at kids. That time? Um, the oldest was a senior. Okay. So they were all like, let's see, I had senior, junior, freshman, and I think eighth grade mm-hmm. or they were, she was going to be a senior boy. I have to do math. It's too yeah. early for math. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. But um, yeah, so they were, they were not little, little kids, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I remember very vividly the day my daughter comes in, she's like, mom, there's no hot water. I'm like, what? There's no hot water. She's like, yeah, there's no hot water. And we came to find out that day that I was out of propane. Mm. And then I went to my bank account and it was empty. And I had, I looked at my cupboards and I'm going, I have no food in the house. And I've, you know, it was just like, Lord, I, he stepped in and provided. I'll never forget the church stepped in and they gave us a gift card for Meyer for groceries. And it was like Christmas for my Mm -hmm. kids. They were so excited to see food come into our, our cupboards. And that is through people not being so preoccupied with their own life, but looking beyond themselves and really being hands and feet. It's the practical, tangible way that we reached others. And it ministered to my children and to me in that time. And God just stepped in in ways emotionally. There were nights that I began to feel so alone as I'd curl up in my bed. And yet, as I cried out honestly to God, like, I don't understand. He entered that place. Mm. He was there. Like I said earlier, he's big enough for the hard questions. There was a period of time, though. I don't know how long you were actually homeless, right? Mm. Yeah. When we found out that, you know, we were in foreclosure, the mortgage company didn't give me any clue as to when we had to be out. They were like, we're going to throw your stuff on the front yard. So we didn't know what we were going to do or where we were going to go. I had planned to move to Florida. And then, you know, Mm. I met this guy. (laughs) 
who I call my Boaz because wow. he didn't know me from Adam. He knew me for two weeks and we were just friends. And he said, you know, I said, I, he said, why don't you find a duplex up here? Cause my car broke down and I had no place to go. I'm like, I don't know what to do. He's like, why don't, why don't you move toward where I live? I said, I can't, I don't have any credit. I don't, I, I, then nobody's going to rent to me. He's like, I'll co-sign. So God provided through who is now my husband, Dave. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It's I'm like, you were nuts. He's like, I just felt the Holy Spirit telling me that I needed to co-sign. I said, you had no idea who I was wow. though. I could yeah. have been some loon. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was, but you know, no, I'm just kidding. Now he fully understands. Now, you know, he knows me well now. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, to know over and over to just see the evidence of a God that becomes all things. Yeah. I want to meet this guy. Wow. He must be Superman. Dave. Yeah. He's pretty awesome. <laughs> so you've got this song, Soft Rain. Mm. We want to play this. Tell, tell me about it. Mm. It's written by a dear, dear woman, Allie, and then Steve, Allie Dent and Steve Seiler. And uh, Steve was listening. He wrote it out and he's like, hey, I think you need to hear the song. And I'm like, oh, okay. Listen, I go, oh, that's my story. Because you're staring out at this road and you're going, I have no idea how I'm going to move forward today. I have no idea where uh, a gallon of milk is going to come from. I have no idea how emotionally I can breathe anymore. So, um, but when you lay down that broken place before the Lord, he picks it up and he embraces you in ways that you never could have imagined. Well, if you're sitting in grief and loss and lament, our guest today, she knows what you're feeling, and we just want her to encourage you. Becky had two years of continual loss, lost five babies to miscarriage, uh, one child to stillbirth, mom, brother, father-in-law, cousins, aunts, uncles. She found her friend Lisa in the basement who had died of a massive heart attack. She couldn't revive her. That's just, that's more loss than, you know, a person should experience in a few lifetimes. But just somebody sitting there in that loss right now, Becky, uh, just encourage them. Mm. Well, first, God is with you. There is not a moment of your life that has passed him by or that he was not aware of. And he walks with you. And he hears you. You don't ask to be heard because your God hears you and he sees your tears. And he doesn't expect you to figure things out. He just opens his arms and he wants you to fall into them so he can carry you through it and carry you beyond it. Grief is not meant to be a resting place. We have to walk through it Mm -hmm. and then we rest in him in it and through it and beyond it. Yeah. It's a journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Perry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.